Temperature currently at the observatory, 30 degrees Celsius and relative humidity some 80%. And that's the news and weather from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your guest presenter today is Ada Wong. Good morning, Ada. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're talking about plans to boost the nighttime economy and other measures to enhance tourism and economic activity. The Financial Secretary Paul Chan wrote on his weekly blog on Sunday about the need to keep abreast of the latest tourism trends as the number of visitors continues to increase once again, uh, noting more interest in exhibitions, cultural activities and large-scale concerts. He added that the administration would promote night bazaars as well as uh, exhibition and cultural activities. What else could uh, Hong Kong do to revive the nighttime economy in the post-pandemic era? We'll be asking our guests. But if you have any ideas yourself, feel free to get in touch. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233 and after 9.45 this morning, we'll hear from an NGO working on improving uh, children's uh, interpersonal skills. We have uh, with us uh, now in our Admiralty studio, uh, Stuart Bailey, who's uh, chairman of the Hong Kong Exhibition and Convention Industry Association. Good morning to you. Morning, Jim. Morning, Ada. And also on the line, uh, Alan Zeman, chairman of the Langkwai Fong Group. Uh, Alan Zeman, good morning. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Ada. Uh, perhaps if we could, morning, uh, Alan. Perhaps if we could uh, ask you first, uh, talking about uh, reviving the nighttime uh, economy, uh, this idea about introducing more night bazaars and so on. What, what do you think of these proposals? Well, I think you know what we do. Hong Kong has always attracted a lot of tourists in the past, and I think what we, uh, you know, we've gotten a bad, bad rap or bad, bad reputation in the world because of the last number of years, because of the China-U.S. Uh, um, spat that keeps going on and Hong Kong gets thrown in. So I think we need to really relook at uh, representing Hong Kong again to the world. Number one, without the airlines, uh, coming, air, air, enough airplanes coming here, at, you know, at, at normal prices, the, the fares are really, really expensive today. And, and we've got to get, like Cafe talks about, 70%, uh, getting back to 70% at the end of this year and uh, back to 100% next year. Without um, the airlines, you can't bring international uh, tourists at, at reasonable prices. That's one thing. Um, you know, I believe, of course, uh, we need, you know, I know what uh, Paul Chan has said about night bazaars and all that, but you want higher spending tourists as well. That's really, Hong Kong is not a cheap place and we need to do everything first class. So I think we need the exhibitions that we have, conventions, the shows there, and we need a monthly to make sure that, that this happens on a monthly basis. You know, the jewelry show, the uh, Art Basel, all these uh, th uh, things bring in um, tremendous amounts of, of uh, tourists from all over to do business, but then they also spend at night. They go out at night to eat, and uh, it's, you know, business is very, very good when they're in town. Mm. Um, so I think that's really concentrating on how many more conventions, exhibitions, shows, interesting things that happen. Also, at the moment, we don't have a stadium in Hong Kong, which, you know, as Paul Chan said, 
you know, uh, people are coming, uh, want to come to Hong Kong because, um, you know, they want to see these, these big musical shows, these big uh, entertainers, and they bypass Hong Kong right now. And so, uh, you know, which has happened just in, 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 in the past month or so. And so, Kai Tak Stadium will, should be open, I'm ho- we're hoping, at the ne- end of next, next year. Next year, yeah. <clears throat> yes, and, and that should, it's a covered stadium. There's mm-hmm. two, actually two arenas in there that should help to really uh, bring, and, and then we really need to attract the top stars from around the world, because that creates a lot of publicity in the world, it makes Hong Kong very, very exciting. Right now, we don't have a place for them, you know, uh, and that, that's our biggest problem. And, and, uh, and then uh, one thing I've suggested to, to the government as well is if we build these small black box theaters, like in the 18 district, you know, why is New York so exciting? So uh, London so exciting because of their Broadway shows, their different shows that they have. People go like to go to these kind of things, and I think that uh, we have talent in Hong Kong, but we have to really develop them um, to really allow, uh, you know, black box theaters. You know, they can be built very cheaply, and they're not big, and there's different events. So Hong Kong really develops a, a local cultural scene. Um, you know, food culture is very, very important. You know, uh, we <clears throat> abolish Dai Pai Dongs, you know, outside seating at restaurants. You know, you go to Paris, you go to other cities, New York, uh, people sit outside. Here, the government is still very strict on outdoor seatings. They allow, you know, very limited seating and, and that kind of thing. But that creates excitement. You know, mm-hmm. people uh, enjoy uh, Dai Pai Dongs. You know, of course, because of sanitary conditions in the past, they they abolished them. But I think that in today's world, we can bring them back and and, Mm -hmm. and not have families. You can pass the license down uh, only in your family. Let new new licenses be issued. Make it exciting. We have talking about more sort of pavement dining, that kind of of thing. Exactly, exactly. We have we have a a great uh, food culture. You know. Lang Kwai Fong, uh, you know, actually everybody talks about how bad business is. I can tell you Lang Kwai Fong has been crazy the last, uh, well, the last, well, this year. Um, every day you come there, it's mainland tourists. They all come to Lang Kwai Fong. You come any night. You can see many, many people sitting outside, sitting, you know, in, in, in dining. Um, they all come to take pictures of the Lang Kwai Fong street signs become mm-hmm. so famous. Right. And then they all, they all send it back to... Uh, I put it on Weibo or the different uh, websites, social media, and and it's, so that's become a famous attraction, and and they all come here. Okay. Uh, the other thing is okay. Macau. Mm. You know, I can go on. Uh, yeah. uh, Macau is now, you know, uh, because the the new gaming regulations are that uh, for the tender they can only be sixty percent non gaming, forty percent gaming only, like Las Vegas, and so that's why you have all these shows almost nightly in Macau now with all these stars singing and you know they've got arenas and and that's that becomes competition for us basically yeah. because they have these events uh, we don't realize it sports events mm. like golf you know are very very important uh, rugby sevens is good you know and and then we need to uh, make an exciting Hong Kong film you know which which about what we have here going out I know we did happy Hong Kong before, but I think, you know, I think we need to really come up with some, you know, we have great directors, producers of, of theater. Why not have them put together, instead of having the government put together this 
film that go, you know, the, the yeah. uh, uh, exciting. It's not exciting. We also had eco trails, hiking, beaches, outlying islands. You know, some people, all the mainlanders coming, they want different things. They don't want to go to shopping malls. Okay, uh, okay. Yeah. Before, yeah. yeah so, so before we go any further, uh, uh, yeah. Alan Seaman, because because lots and lots of ideas there. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned and you you mentioned the importance of uh, exhibitions a little earlier because we, we also have Stuart Bailey with us, who's chairman of the Hong Kong Exhibition and Convention Good. Industry Association. Because because uh, um, uh, uh, Stuart Bailey, we 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 spoke a number of times uh, during the pandemic, and uh, obviously your industry was. Uh, having a pretty hard time with the lack of travel and so on. Um, but uh, I understand uh, things are looking quite a bit better now. Yeah, look, it, uh, it, it, we've come a long way since those dark days where we were talking about how we would survive. Um, so, so that's encouraging. Um, the shows which we've coming up in the autumn, at the moment we're in the sort of the summer season, so we have the book fair and the food fair and the anecom fairs and all those consumer events. Um, but starting from sort of early September, we get into the trade show season. And that's the really important stuff because, as Alan just highlighted, you know, we want people who are coming here with serious money to spend. Uh, and we know from the Hong Kong Tourism Board's research in the past that business travellers coming to the city spend more than double what the leisure sector does. So it's important to get those people coming in. Now, in terms of the exhibition bookings, in terms of booth sales, in terms of the size of the shows, I'm speaking to organisers who are saying, you know, across the board, really, their shows this year are going to be bigger than they were in 2019. So that's great. That means that there is demand for people to come here to meet buyers from all over the world and to do business. That's the first sort of good bit. Uh, the, uh, the challenge which I think that we've got is uh, how do we get the buyers to come? You know, how do we get enough people to come in to satisfy that many exhibition booths? Um, there's a lot of expectation, um, but it's still going to be difficult. Of course, we hope that we're going to get lots of people coming in across the border on the high-speed trains, etc. Um, but the flight capacity issue, as was just highlighted, is still an issue. I know Cathay Pacific are talking about 70%. Uh, my understanding is that 70% of the routes previously, not 70% of the number of planes and the number of seats coming in. So there are still some challenges, and, and, and I know that they're working hard to solve them, um, and the government is, uh, is working on schemes to add more people into the aviation sector uh, so that we can reach some of those capacity things. Um, but that, that is our challenge coming into the autumn season. Right. And um, what about um, the financial secretary's suggestion of uh, more night markets? Do you think the business travellers who would go to your trade shows uh, would welcome that or not? Yeah, look, I mean, there's plenty of places that we go to travel in Asia, which are... And I don't want to point the finger at sort of places like Jakarta and Ho Chi Minh, but they're not very exciting things to do in the evenings. Uh, whereas Hong Kong has always had vibrancy, it's always had dynamism. Um, the, the nightlife sector, I, I heard Simon Wong on the radio earlier this morning um, talking about mm. the difficult time they had. Under the previous administration, they seemed to get really heavily hammered. Uh, bars were shut for longer periods than any other sectors. Uh, and so they had a really difficult time. And a lot of those places shut and they haven't come back yet. So, look, I would welcome stimulus. I think things for people to do in the evening. I think night markets is a great idea. I think outdoor spaces when the weather's slightly cooler uh, for people to come and sort of shop and eat and do all of those things. They're very much to the benefit. But I would, uh, I would say to the government one thing, you know, let the... Let the free market do it. Provide the space, provide the platform, the incentive, but don't try and take control. I mean, I think most of us still remember the food truck debacle. Um, I think the government would rather...
rather forget that idea. Um, but, 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 you know, look, we, we, we need to let the free market go out there and do it. But, yeah, look, we, we welcome anything uh, that, that attracts more people to come to fairs and, and, and to exhibitions and conventions. Right. But I would love uh, for the food trucks to come back. It's just a, a matter of a licensing and, and um, licensing that is flexible for the food trucks to go anywhere, right? Uh, well, it previously. was over-regulated, wasn't it? Yes. I mean, there was, it was very, very difficult for anybody to set one up to, uh, you know, to run it properly, to turn a profit, etc. Whereas, you know, if you put something on, if you put a food festival in West Kowloon Cultural District, you invited food trucks, you know, you made it a festival atmosphere and, and, and got people to come along, I'm sure that you'd have plenty of people turning out uh, and, and that would, you know, benefit the economy. Mm. Uh, that reference to Simon Wong, yeah, he's uh, head of the Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades. Uh, um, Alan Zeman, uh, yeah, quite yeah. quite right. Simon Wong was uh, uh, on our news um, uh, uh, this morning. Um, he's talking about uh, uh, we need a territory-wide uh, promotion campaign, uh, you know, to, uh, to promote uh, nightlife and the night economy with like, all 18 districts involved and, mm -hmm. and so on. Um, is that something that uh, you think would be uh, useful to uh, re revitalising the, you know, uh, nighttime activities? Of, of course. I mean, uh, definitely. Um, you know, I, I believe we have 18 great districts. Everyone is different. Uh, we've never really, experienced, you know, uh, ex exposed them to tourists and 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 that kind of. Now, some, of course, are very highly regulated by regulation uh, by residential and. Uh, don't want people, you know, a lot of uh, night people coming out. We've had mm -hmm. those complaints in the past, but uh, I think I think we we just have not. The government just has not sat down and really planned out uh, the things that we could do to really make Hong, Hong Kong is an exciting place. I mean, just in itself, the harbor we have, everything we we have, the hiking, um, you know, uh, God, when we have the shows on. Uh, at, at central in central uh, pier there, um, I think I think that those were tremendously you know at nighttime the, the spans that were done during the, during these uh, past few months. Uh, there's been a lot of excitement about that, and they've been really really well attended. So we just really have to release regulations, as as Stuart has said and and and, and Ada has said. You know, really make it easier. Make it make it instead of everything in restrictions. Being so strong and, and and make it easy. Let, let's have a can-do spirit from government side to really make things happen. We have the all the facilities to. Uh, Hong Kong is an exciting city. It's one of the most exciting cities in the world. And because of, as Stuart said, all the exhibitions and all the shows that we have, uh, that's amazing. We've got uh, theme parks as well. You've got Disney. Disney's coming out with a new with the new World of Frozen, which will do. Fantastic, and that'll bring a lot of families to to uh, mm. Hong Kong, especially from Southeast Asia uh, okay. that love that brand. And then Ocean Park, you know, we've got the water park, uh, you know. So we've got so many things to highlight. There are a lot of things to do in Hong Kong. You know, if we're going to do night markets or night bazaars, make them high high class, kind of like Singapore has, you know. Uh, um, and and so and so. You know, even we can even go to the point of, of having, you know, some of the wet markets, uh, having uh, there's a lot of empty space in some of them, having Mission Star chefs in it, in it like Singapore has something like that in some of their night markets. They have a lot of uh, 
uh, markets out there, which are very, very right. um, Alan, who's in the driver's yeah. seat these days? Um, Paul Chan has spoken. But if <laughs> yeah. uh, we want to have night markets, uh, we we need the um, consent of the uh, what the Food and Environmental Hygiene Department, Food, which yes, is now under hygiene. under the uh, Environment Bureau and not yeah. under Paul Chan. Correct, right. Correct, and correct. so we, we exactly. also have a, a culture, sports and tourism yes. bureau. Exactly. Uh, uh, are they in the driver's seat? Under Kevin Young. Um, they are in the driver's seat, uh, basically. And, you know, it's LCSD. You know, I mean, there's a lot of different departments that come into play. And so, I've, uh, but I think we really need to sit down and really have a can-do spirit. And really, if you really want to, I, I really do believe tourism will come back once the airlines start uh, coming back to normal. And, and uh, uh, you know, we, and, and mainland mainlanders are definitely coming. I was in Shenzhen yesterday and more and more, I mean, it took a long time to cross the border, actually, because there was many, many mainlanders coming to Hong Kong and, and many going out of Hong Kong. So, so I, I can feel a difference. Uh, remember, it's, it's only about six or seven months since we've finished with COVID, basically. And so it takes time. It's less than a year. It takes time to ramp up. I really do believe we have all the elements in Hong Kong. Yes, we're in a temporary slump at the moment. And, and, and yes, people are just, listen, many people are going to Shenzhen now, you know, on the weekend, you know, just because things are cheaper. Uh, you can get good, have good, great restaurants. They have a lot of Michelin star chefs now in Shenzhen. They've got uh, the hotels are half the price of Hong Kong. So there's many things, but a lot of mainlanders, you know, there's 1.4 billion there they can come to Hong Kong too, and so I think I think that uh, definitely uh, things will improve. I'm not so concerned, uh, you know, at the moment. Uh, and I know a lot of people are suffering. A lot of restaurants, you know, are suffering because of that. But they've got to upgrade as well. They can't just continue with the old time business where people just used to come. And a lot of the Chinese restaurants, the old time uh, uh, entrepreneurs, you know, things have changed now. Uh, COVID changed a lot of pace and you've got to keep coming up with new things, uh, new attractions uh, in the food and beverage industry as well and the bar industry. You know, I, I saw uh, some, I was reading something about uh, somebody saying that we should promote all the bars in Hong Kong. That's not really where we want to be, you know. Yeah. Stuart Bailey, yeah. Um, it, Hong Kong obviously has a great many attractions. So it, it seems one of the problems at the moment, though, is, uh, is well, as Alan Lee Zeman just mentioned, uh, people going to Shenzhen, uh, M M Macau being a rival now. Um, um, how do we uh, <laughs> encourage the local population to spend locally? You know, that's the thing. Do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, look, a couple of thoughts. I mean, I heard Simon um, say in his bit on the news earlier that, that you know, it is competition and, and people can go to Shenzhen uh, and do all those things. I think we don't want to get into the, the position where we're trying to stop people from travelling to Shenzhen. That, for me, sounds like a mistake. What we want to do is we want to upgrade. We want to make things so good here that the people from the Greater Bay Area, they want to come here to Hong Kong. Um, I mean, the, the, the Tourism Board celebrated recently, uh, I think Alan Zeman was there along with me, uh, a launch of a, a new initiative, uh, Professional Quality Tourism Services Pledge, which mm. really kind of mm. recognised the fact that people love coming to Hong Kong and we've got incredibly high satisfaction rates. Uh, they did a survey post-pandemic 
uh, and people leaving Hong Kong, having visited here, um, gave Hong Kong on average an 8.8 mark out of 10. Um, now, that's higher than 8.5 pre-pandemic, and it's much higher than most of the other big cities around the, uh, around the region. So I think we've got an awful lot to, to shout about. You know, exhibitions and conventions, they bring in 2.5 million visitors in a good year, and they're high-spending people that benefit the economy, not just in the hotels and the restaurants and things, but also in terms of trade. We know that trade exhibitions support trade here in Hong Kong, whether it be the jewellery industry, the wine industry, the, uh, the art industry etc so there's kind of a twofold benefit to getting really good conventions and exhibitions back uh, up and running here in hong kong so um stuart bailey from from your lens um uh, are the business travelers um you know and and the trade show um you know attendees are are they quite happy to come back or you know what what are deterring them uh, for example i heard from the hotel industry that it is so difficult uh, to find staff, quality staff, that they, they don't mind, you know, not being very full, uh, you know, but they want to offer quality service. And I heard from, you know, the taxi trade that um, they had no, not, not many taxis. For example, um, I, I was at the IFC yesterday and it took me a long time, you know, to find taxi after dinner. I, I don't know. You know, these things seem not to have recovered or have not aligned uh, with uh, what the government really wants to do. Yeah, look, it, it, it was always going to be a U-shaped recovery. We were never going to bounce back super quickly. Uh, and I think we're seeing that. The talent crisis is real. You're absolutely right. Most hotels are not running at 100% because they can't have, haven't got the staff to turn the room, rooms over fast enough. So that's the reality of where we are. Uh, the government's planning on importing labour into Hong Kong in other sectors, but that will flood through back into uh, some of the sectors, conventions, exhibitions, hotels, etc. Uh, but your first question was, are people keen to come back? Absolutely they are. People love Hong Kong, you know. Uh, I think there's a lot of... Uh, sort of uh, Western media painting a very poor picture uh, of what the situation is in Hong Kong. Um, but once people come here, once they experience it for themselves, then they actually understand, not, you know, Hong Kong's still a great place to come and live. It's still, uh, it's still a great place to come and visit and do business, and, and people want to do business. Uh, the, the fear is that uh, for some of the big sourcing shows that are coming up, um, where in the past maybe a sourcing team of five or six people would come from Europe or the US, because of the cost of the flights, because of the lack of capacity, they're only going to bring a couple because the cost of flying is double what it used to be. The cost of the hotels are still just as high as it was, uh, if not in some cases higher. Uh, I mean, you know, I've, I've got a, an exhibition coming up in December um, next to the convention centre at the Grand Hyatt there. You're talking about $4,000 a night. I mean, that's a pretty serious amount of money. Uh, and people are going to think twice about whether they can afford to bring more or they can do, do just as much with less people. Mm-hmm. OK, okay. Uh, Alan Zeman, because I know you have to go in a couple of minutes. So, uh, mm-hmm. so it was always going to be a U-shaped recovery, but, uh, but, right. but it's, it, it sounds like you're, you're fairly optimistic that we'll get there before too long. Well, as Stuart says, Hong Kong still is a great place. And, you know, that thing, seeing that Monica Singh is believing... When even people that come to the trade shows, they all have walked away saying, wow, this is not what I was told Hong Kong is all about. Mm. And they love Hong Kong. And I believe they go and they, you know, the more exhibitions, the more people that come here and they go back and they tell all their friends, they tell their, their relatives what a great place Hong Kong is. Hong Kong still is one of the safest 
and one of the best places in the world. So I don't want to sell, sell short. Uh, I think we've got a great, great future ahead of us. We are in a bit of a, as you say, U-shaped slump, but uh, it will come back very, very strong, I believe. Mm-hmm. And and the um, and and you you're not too worried about uh, the talent shortage, Alan. The talent shortage is a big problem, and that is something that I really believe. I know the government's talk, you know, started to import uh, people from, uh, you know, from China and other places. But I really, really think that uh, we should really uh, open up the, you know, really get as many as we can at the moment to fill. It's taking way too long. You know, I know hotels are really short, as, as, as uh, Stuart has said, uh, uh, of, of staff and, you know, even all, the, all, all industries basically are short of, of, of staff. And I think that, uh, you know, we go through procedures. I know it's the government. It takes time. But I really think we have to break the rules and really just make it happen make it happen, give us a timeline. And as, as John Lee says, he likes results. Let's get results quickly in this case, because that is really affecting Hong Kong. If we really want quality service for people, uh, tourists coming here, we really need uh, uh, people to show them what a great place Hong Kong is. And I think I think unless we, without those people, uh, it'll take a longer time to recover. Okay, well, thanks for speaking to us on this morning's programme. Uh, Alan Zeman there, Chairman of the Lang Kwai Fong Group. Uh, Stuart Bailey, uh, p- uh, please stay with us. Uh, uh, we're going to take a short break for a news summary and a couple of uh, announcements. We'll also be joined uh, by Vera Yoon uh, after the break uh, from the Hong Kong University uh, Business School. And now, news summary with Stu Pryke. A property analyst says he expects property prices to fall between 10 to 15% over the coming 12 months before stabilising. Nicholas Brook, chairman of Professional Property Services Limited, said there was uncertainty over pricing due to higher interest rates, concerns over the economic slowdowns, and on the mainland, a glut of property due to hit the market as well here in Hong Kong. Donald Trump has just received his fourth criminal indictment. A grand jury in the U.S. state of Georgia has handed down 10 indictments to a judge relating to alleged efforts by Mr. Trump to overturn the 2020 U.S. presidential election results in the state. The former president and his allies have falsely claimed that hundreds of thousands of fake ballots were counted in President Biden's favour in Georgia. And Typhoon Lan has made landfall in western Japan, some 400 kilometres southwest of Tokyo. Hundreds of flights and train services have been suspended. And I'll have more news and weather at 10 here on RTHK. The provisional registers and the emissions lists have been released on August 1st. Check your registration particulars and your new district council geographical constituency at vr.gov.hk. Contact the registration and electoral office if you have any questions. Got a reminding letter to confirm your elector status? Reply by email, post or fax to keep your registration standing. The deadline is August 25th. Act now. For inquiries, call 2891-1001. Under the amended Sex Discrimination Ordinance, Disability Discrimination Ordinance and Race Discrimination Ordinance, workplace participants such as consignment workers, volunteers and interns are protected from sexual, disability and racial harassment even when they have no employment relationship. Don't be silent if you're being harassed. For inquiries, call the Equal Opportunities Commission at 2511-8211. 
You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. Welcome back to Backchat with Ada Wong and me, Jim Gould. And this morning we're talking about uh, proposals to revive the nighttime economy, uh, which has uh, gone a little bit uh, quiet at the moment. Uh, we're joined uh, in our Admiralty studio uh, with uh, Stuart Bailey, who's chairman of the Hong Kong Exhibition and Convention Industry Association. And now also on the line, uh, Vera Yoon, a lecturer in economics at Hong Kong University's uh, Business School. Uh, Vera Yoon, good morning. Good morning. So the Financial Secretary is talking about um, introducing uh, more night bazaars, um, promoting the, the exhibition industry and organising more cultural events and so on. What do, you think, what do you think could or should be done to give the, uh, give the, the evening, the after-dark economy, a bit of a boost? Well, he only makes, I think, one line of comment on the night bazaar thing. Um, I think this is follow. Uh, this is following the announcement of the second quarter economic growth rate, which actually dropped uh, compared with quarter one. And if we combine quarter one and quarter two, uh, overall, if we multiply, it would be like uh, 2.2% growth for the whole year. If we project it towards the end of year, but now his Overall projection for the year 2023 is like 45, which means we are like mm. only half mm. of it. Then that means the government thinks that they have to really do something so that we can make it up in the second half of the year, which is not that easy. Um, and then for the night market thing, he he doesn't really make it clear what it is for. Um, is it for like more consumption, more tourists, or whatever? So I would assume it's for more consumption locally because nowadays people don't uh, actually uh, go out shopping uh, in the evening or you know the like rural people dining out these days. So I think that's why he wants to do that. But I'm not sure whether it would work because uh, I think the overall demand has dropped because we don't have as many people as we did like in like two years ago or three years ago. So it's like the overall pipe already shrunk. And then also the behavior has changed. So he, he kind of like wants to create some kind of activity so that uh, we can change the behavior back to like pre-COVID time so that there will more consumption. Yeah, but um, that is, uh, uh, I don't know, that, that sounds a little bit difficult because um, uh, from, from you know, my perspective, uh, habits and spending um, did change a lot during COVID. Uh, so people don't go out and people stay at home and um, they watch Netflix and so on and so forth. Um, so, uh, Vera Yoon, from, from, from your perspective and from research that um, you have read, um, have people's habits changed? Uh, because our economic recovery um, depends on consumption, and so if our consumption habits have changed, it's not so easy to 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 you know to get back to um, pre-COVID days. Or or what what what's on your mind? That's true. I mean, we have like we are forced to change because there were 
uh, you know the restaurants, the food and catering, they were banned from operating during evening, and then later on they were like doing takeaway rather than dining in, and then we were like forced to use this leave home safe app, and the many so many restrictions that uh, make us change nowadays. People were used to. Um, cooking at home, and also it's more like uh, what happened in the Western countries. Like people don't always dine out, but then they would uh, hold a party in their home and then ask their friends to come, and then they cook for each other. These are what happened in the Western countries, and so the restaurants and shops they closed pretty early, so you, you didn't really have the nightlife like. It was in in Hong Kong in pre-COVID time, and also the people um, they nowadays rent like uh, spaces in industrial buildings for their own like party room or you know own space for hanging out. So there was no need for no like this less demand for dining out, and I think we changed because of all these COVID policy that the government made and enforced. Now they they count like in a in a wave of magic when we, they hope that we would like change according to what they want us to, which is not that easy because you know market and preferences it, it takes time and then and then nowadays people just don't have the mood or sentiment to go out. and also I think it's all the accommodation of like many things like public transport but nowadays. We, It's harder to find, like for example, a minibus, a red one that that still runs like during midnight. I, I would say it's, it's much harder. Like those old routes, they don't like they don't run anymore. And then and then you you also those uh, shops and retails they also close pretty early. So it's kind of a uh, like everything put together. There's no shops to For you to window shop, and then there's no restaurants and no public transport. It's better to go home early. So I think like everything, they they all goes together. So it's not it's not only a public night market, but he has to think about other other uh, facilities too. Right, and because of the shops and restaurants closing early, that's why uh, he proposed um, night markets. Uh, and 20 years ago, uh, after SARS, I believe that uh, the then financial secretary, Anthony Leung, uh, proposed similar things uh, to have night markets in different districts. Uh, but then, you know, the, that proposal was also short-lived and, and it doesn't really contribute a lot to, um, well, to the economic value of this thing and because it is events-driven. And, and, uh, and my question is, um, you know, if we really want a good recovery uh, and bring tourists back, Um, uh, should we just focus on different events and ad hoc uh, weekend markets? We're very good at doing that. We have festivals, we have wine and dine festivals um, and at the West Kowloon Cultural District. There are all sorts of uh, uh, art and art markets and arts and crafts. But, you know, you, you go there for one weekend and then it's off and... Uh, and you want to, you know, want it to happen regularly, but it would never happen regularly. So we we are basically an events-driven uh, kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, tourism uh, sector. You you agree with that? Uh, I think Paul Chen just want to just put up some sort of solution that you know the government is trying to deal with this. So then it's like, what's the objective of doing such thing? Because 
to me, if for like exhibition, I think the industry should be in full swing, a full swing already. Like Hong Kong has been an exhibition center before, so we have many international exhibition. You know, you know, people and participants they fly to Hong Kong just to participate. So if we are already in our full swing, then why we are not? Why we are still not competitive? Uh, like. If he's suggesting that oh, okay, we we're not doing our best already according to the market because the marketplace they don't want to make money. That's why we are not in full swing, and that's why we are trying to give more stimulus. I I don't think so because if it's already in, then it's already in. And then for the night market, I think it's an it's another thing. It's more like to stimulate like consumption. And it, it also kind of follow uh, what happened during COVID in mainland China. That uh, I think the government suggests some sort of uh, hawkers economy, but I think the objective is really different because at that time it's like they have excess supply labor. People couldn't find any jobs, and then they couldn't pay any rent, and they kind of want people to to find something to do so that they could at least make a living. But then for Hong Kong, we have labor shortage. We don't have enough people, and then and then restaurants are closing now because they couldn't hire people at a certain cost. And then he's still trying to do it night market, and and for night market in Hong Kong, it, it wouldn't work as well as he fought in in Taiwan or in in Thailand because our labor cost is high, and then uh, you know even for this kind of street snacks. Thing like fish for they're kind of expensive. Uh, I'm not sure like whether I mean we actually had this culture. We had it in Temple Street. We have it in the Woman Street, and then also in Mong Kok there are a lot of this food store. And then in some um, estate in the New Territories, they actually have hawkers selling these things uh, around the public housing estate area. They're, they're already these kind of things that are like market led. So for government, if they want to, like, centrally plan some sort of things like this, uh, I'm not sure whether they're very good with the market uh, preference, where it should be, what it should be inside. It would be, you know, quite some regulation into it. And then there are people who mentioned food truck that the government did many years ago. And then because of many regulations, uh, it, it didn't seem very successful and profitable. So, so uh, I would say if they want to do it, they should deregulate and then let the market get in. But if there's no market, then businessmen wouldn't actually invest into it because basically nobody would be doing business. I mean, you saw some sort of these during Lunar New Year. They're, it's like it lasted for three days, and then you saw all these hawkers on street selling food and selling different kinds of things and, and clearly there is a the market that's why people are doing it so people would do it if it's allowed and if there's a market and if you try to like um centrally send something i'm not sure like how it works Okay. Um, Stuart Bailey, just uh, looking at some figures. So according to the uh, Tourism Board, uh, uh, 3.6 million travellers came here in July. That was up uh, 30% on June, but still about uh, 1.8 million fewer than in the same period in 2018. Uh, So uh, can you draw much encouragement from that? I mean, it does seem that uh, the numbers are coming back, but again, uh, not very quickly. 
Well, well, look, I mean, as I said earlier, it, it, this was always going to be a U-shaped recovery. Nobody expects us to bounce back to 2018 and 2019 levels straight away. And to be completely frank with you, I'm not sure we really want to get back to those levels anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, in 2018, there were 65 million people that visited Hong Kong. Um, now, that's a lot of people. And if you remember, some of those people are parallel traders and they're coming over the border with goods and there were certain problems in, in, in you know, districts close to the border with, with, with scuffles and people not wanting them there. And, and look, you know, we, we want organised, we want sensible tourism. You know, of course we want more people to come. Um, but as I said earlier, we want people who are going to spend money, who are going to stay overnight, who are going to, you know, respect the residents that live here and, and all those other things. Um, I, I have to say, I mean, some of what uh, Vera was saying a moment ago, they just, I mean, that doesn't resonate with me. You know, this idea that people don't want to come out at night anymore because of habits they formed during COVID-19. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't see it. I think people do. I, I don't think people want to stay home and watch Netflix. Uh, I, I Very rarely, I've lived here for over 20 years, very rarely have I been invited to somebody's house. Uh, for dinner, because we all live in such small, small boxes, um, yeah. we all want to go out. You know, Hong Kong is a place where people love going out. They they love you know spending time outside in the evenings. Um, I remember statistics from a few years ago. I think we're one of the latest sleepers in the world. The average Hong Konger doesn't go to bed till about one o'clock in the morning. So you know there is a kind of a, a nocturnal instinct, uh, a vibrancy here, and I think it's great what the government are trying to do to kind of kickstart this a little bit. Uh, and I'm pretty confident that it will come back. Um, um, there's a few things that are working against us. Obviously, if you're going out and eating uh, dinner uh, outside, it is expensive. Uh, and that's because the labour cost is high. Obviously, rent is still there. Energy prices are incredibly high. Food ingredients are high. And, and restaurateurs uh, have got no option but to pass that on to uh, the consumers. So, so that's difficult. You know, I always think the Hang Seng is a kind of a, a mental benchmark for people. And when it's less than 20,000 points, uh, mm. they kind of think, well, OK, maybe we should have another night at home. Yeah, um, so, as it look, is I now. Think, <laughs> as it is now. Uh, and, I, and I think that there are some of those things which are cyclical and they will come back. Um, but I, I definitely think that people want to go out. They want to spend their evenings outside. Uh, and as Alan was saying a moment ago, you know, in Lang Kwai Fong, it's busy every night. So, so, you know, I think there is a bit of cause for optimism. But the more that can be done to support these industries, uh, then I think it, it's good. And that, that will bring more people back. Um, you know, we, we need to get more people coming to the cities. We need to get more tourism. And the best way to do that is organise, you know, exciting things for them to do. OK, great. Well, well look, uh, thank you both uh, very much. I'm afraid we're out, we're out of time for this uh, segment of this morning's programme. That was uh, uh, Stuart Bailey, chairman of the Hong Kong Exhibition and Convention Industry Association. And uh, thanks very much to Vera Yoon, a lecturer in economics at uh, Hong Kong U Business School. Um, just before we uh, turn to our last uh, part of the programme this morning uh, on a different topic. Uh, uh, just time for a quick uh, email from uh, listener Les. A quick comment from listener Les uh, says, uh, people in Hong Kong complain about the noise concerts make. They complain about the mainland tourists. They complain about uh, people sitting outside restaurants and bars and so on and so on. And when people do visit Hong Kong, they have to contend with truly poor taxi services. It's not one thing, it's many little things. And then Les goes on, Hong Kong is an amazing place. We need everyone to actually embrace its uniqueness and do more to promote our home. We can't keep doing things, the same things over and over again. 
25 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hi, I'm Secretary for Housing, Winnie Ho. Happy birthday to RTHK's 95th anniversary. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. And for the last uh, 10 minutes or so of this morning's programme, we're going to be uh, hearing uh, from the co-founder of an NGO which works to help to improve uh, children's uh, educational... uh, Sorry, uh, children's um, interpersonal communication skills. Uh, We're joined on the line by Raymond Yang, who is uh, co-founder and executive director of the NGO Just Feel. Um, Raymond Yang, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone, and Um, thank you for inviting me. uh, Thanks very much for coming on. I mean, this is a very important topic at the moment. Uh, We've seen uh, various uh, uh, items in the news, uh, including uh, one yesterday, actually, as a result of a survey by another NGO, which pointed out uh, difficulties that uh, parents and and children were having uh, in their relationships, partly as a result of the uh, pandemic. So perhaps uh, could you just like start off by telling us a little bit about your organisation and and how you and why you found it? Yeah, um, JustView is a non-profit organization founded in 2018 with the vision to transform the communication culture at Hong Kong schools and families in order to enhance students' emotional well-being. So we have founded this because we realize a lot of kids having emotional issues, they have troubles expressing their feelings and needs properly. So it makes them hard to be calm and then be friends with others and study well. In the long term, it affects the emotional well-being. So we want to improve the emotional well-being of the students. But And then we realize we need a systemic, holistic, and preventive approach to the issue because there are a lot of current programs providing support to the school, but there is not a whole school approach solution that supports parents, teachers, and students at the same time. So Just Feel provides the compassionate school program that tries to support school with the whole school approach. Right. Um, good morning, Raymond. Uh, this, um, you know, Just Feel has been around for five years, so you can compare with the pre-COVID days and post-COVID days. Um, what have you observed so far? Are the uh, children... Um, you know, suffering from more mental distress um, or maybe they don't really adapt to uh, going back to school on a full day basis? Are they more likely to fight with each other or even bullying each other? Or are these not happening? What what are your observations? In the past five years, we have served more than 20 primary schools and we have benefited more than 20,000 students. And so we have some data from different schools and teachers and parents that uh, during the COVID, the students, you know, lack routine and lack socialization because they should be at the school playing with their other students. But because of the social distancing rules and class distancing, they cannot go back and they lack friends and they lack face-to-face interaction. And they also lack routine because they are stuck at home and a lot of parents don't know how to uh, talk with them or guide them to learn. 
And a lot of students also get addicted to mobile devices for gaming or other purposes. So we see that kids need more guidance and support. Behind every action, we see there's a need. So instead of framing them, hey, stop playing mobile games, we have to aware that they are fulfilling their need of friendship. They're fulfilling their need of fun. Or they might also fulfill their need of learning because sometimes through gaming, they can learn different knowledge. And the online lessons might not be as interesting as the gaming. So we're not saying we support whatever the kids do, but we have to be aware of what needs are behind the kids' action. And parents and teachers we have to play a role in guiding them to finding the needs behind instead of framing them at once. Right, but it's so easy for teachers as well as parents um, to um, to respond in a loud voice and to uh, react by punishment. Yeah, Correct? you're right. So according to the compassionate communication that a theory just feel promotes, it is so important for us as adults like parents and teachers, to first self-empathize. If we be compassionate with ourselves and we accept our own feelings, no matter they are happiness or anger, we also have some needs behind the feelings. After we regulate ourselves, we can then co-regulate with students. If we as adults cannot regulate ourselves, it will be impossible for us to correctly with students and kids, and we may sometimes even create more hurt and worsen the relationships. So what sort of programs do you offer for uh, parents and teachers and children? Um, we have a lot of curriculum tools, like the classroom barometer. So every student, when they go back to school, the first thing they do is to stick their feeling on a barometer so that every student and teacher can understand each other's positive or negative feelings and have more self and social awareness. Apart from that, we have teachers and parents training, like the teachers co-learning groups. So the teachers will gather as a group of four and to practice expressing each other's feelings in a more compassionate and honest, proper way. And we cultivate a habit of expressing our feelings so that the students can follow us. And we group these kind of offerings into the program called Compassionate School Program, which is a three-year, three-stage program. We collaborate with schools, and we ensure that schools and Justfield will co-create and co-develop the program in the longer term so that the school can cultivate a culture of compassion. Right. Um, but what could the impact be like? And uh, according to your research, uh, is there any correlation between good academic results and, uh, uh, you know, having the children be more self-aware and uh, be more in control of their emotions? Uh, we, we have been tracking the impact for the teachers and students and parents. And we see there will be better teacher and students relation and better parent-child relation. And also the kids will have higher self-awareness 
learn how to be aware and accept their positive and negative feelings, and also get along with their friends more harmoniously. Mm. And to be honest, in the U.S. or U.K., that social emotional link has been promoted in a more um, historical perspective. It's proven that good social emotional program is highly tolerated with uh, academic performances. But in Hong Kong, because we are quite new, we are still in the process of developing and conducting the research. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the most uh, common uh, interpersonal conflicts that you find uh, involving children? Um, so for the lower kids, like uh, primary one or primary two students, it is so hard for them to be aware of their own feelings. So sometimes if one kid is feeling angry and he or she doesn't know that he's already feeling angry, so he might react more fearlessly and speak loudly, that affects other students. So it becomes some interpersonal conflict. And for the primary four, primary five, primary six, when kids have more self-identity, which need autonomy, so they may have different opinions regarding how to play a game or how to do a task. So it's so important for the school to create some space for them to learn how to interact with each other and how to learn from the conflict instead of just deciding everything for them, which makes them lack space to learn from the experience. And 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 we all know that the education system in Hong Kong uh, has a lot of pressure, academic pressure. Pressure. Uh, how how aware are teachers and parents that um, they must do more to ensure that um, you know there's compassionate communication and also to enable uh, better social and emotional learning uh, for the children? Yeah, from the past five years, we have been so hard raising the awareness and collaborating with better uh, mission-aligned schools. We are grateful that we see more educators and parents and even the Education Bureau are playing the role in shaping the direction together. Like the Education Bureau has launched the Mental Health at School website, which emphasizes the importance of whole school approach that just feel aligned. So it's so important that we don't consider emotional well-being as some uh, dangerous or terrible issue. There's no health without mental health, and it starts with us as adults to take care of ourselves, be self-compassionate. After we learn how to love ourselves, we can be a role model for our next generation, and they will model us on how to love ourselves and then love each other. Sounds like uh, very good advice. Uh, uh, Thank you very much for sharing that with us. Uh, That was uh, Raymond Yang, co-founder and executive director of the NGO Just Feel. Um, Thanks to our listeners. Uh, Thanks very much to you, Ada, our co-host today. Thank you, Jim. Uh, Thanks to our producer, Raphael, and technician James. Coming up is a news summary, followed by Brunch with Noreen.